You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Security Sandbox. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Security Sandbox. I'm Amanda Fennell, Chief Security Officer at Relativity, where we help the legal and compliance world solve complex data problems securely. And that takes a lot of creativity. One of the best things about a sandbox is that you can try anything. This season, let's explore how curiosity and personal passions inspire stronger security. Grab your shovel and let's dig in. In today's episode, our sandbox heads to the comedy cellar for an ad lib conversation on the importance of being comfortable with being uncomfortable, both in security and in stand up comedy. Joining me today are two of my cybersecurity colleagues who share a similar passion for humor Thomas Quinlan and Mark Bleicher. So let's hit the stage and hope these jokes land better than a Cat One incident alert. Before any questions here, I want to add a bit of context to how we know one another. Today is our first time that the all three of us are back together after nine years, since 2012. Tommy and I first met at Guidance Software, and after many overnights in a forensic, cold forensic lab in New York City, when we went to work uh, at Booz Allen Hamilton to support the government, I followed not long after when he went there. Our trio was complete, and we found our third amigo when Mark came on to support the Veterans Affairs Project. So good, good jokes. And, you know, we have to have characters in the setting. We've now got those two requirements. Let's dig into some plot. You ready? Tommy, I know. Here we go. Get ready for this. You authored Adventures in Cybersecurity, which is a humorous autobiographical account on some of those years that we had together and others. What's one of the funnier moments that you remember when all of us were together at Booz Allen Hamilton? So I reread my own book, which was a weird experience. Um, and I found that when I was discussing those times, largely one person kept coming up. Um, oh, I know who I, it was. I know yes, who it is. I, I yeah. won't say okay. any names. He has a yeah. code name in the book. His name is Rahul. Um, and yeah, just the, the antics out of that one in particular with the deep dive analysis team and all of his fun <laughs> things that he used to do to try and uh, hijack our team, get us all That's in trouble a, for every bad, every, so every great story has the, the, the bad guy, right? So this is our yes. bad guy. That's true. There are a lot of moments that I remember with that. Mark, you're remembering this? Yeah. Well, you had me a deep dive. I know exactly who Raul is. <laughs> It was a polymorphic malware. So we had to make sure that all our ducks were in a row. He's like, well, you didn't find this one file. And that one file happened to be a text file of all things that happened to have a timestamp that was very similar to our investigation. And so we're going back and forth with this general person. Wait, wait, wait. There was like, there's like a five-star general in the room and everything. Yeah, exactly. This was like every, every climactic thing you could think would happen in this moment. Like the movie is like swordfish. Everyone's in yep. this room. But okay, go ahead. Yep. Yep, I say the customer, but it was essentially the government. And to your point, lots of very important people in the room. And effectively, he gets to this point. He said, well, why didn't you know about this piece of malware from this threat feed? And I was like, uh, what threat feed? He's like, you know, the threat feed that we all get. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't get that threat feed. And then he looks at me. He's like, why don't you get the threat feed? I'm like, I've never heard of it before. 
And then he turns to the other people in the room. He's like, how about you guys? Did you get them? And, and everybody around the table is looking at this guy like, we've never even heard of that. What are you talking about? And so he looks at Raul and he says, what's going on here? Why are they not getting this threat feed? Why don't they have this information? They're on a need-to-know basis and they don't need to know. Oh, my God. This might be, Tommy, one of the only times I spoke up in that five years like together that I actually was like, who determines need to know? And it's hard to be like the only woman in the room a lot of times. So I didn't normally have much to say. And I was also in a learning phase in my career. But I remember asking that question, who determines need to know? And he said, I do. Exactly. And to be clear, that was Raul that was saying that, not the general guy. One of the things that we were going to talk about here today is this moment of uncomfortability and being comfortable with uncomfortability. So Mark, it took me a long time to realize that you were joking so often because you have such a dry delivery. So speaking of which, I I love whenever I've seen either of you quote unquote angry, it's very difficult to ascertain because it's it's covered with so much humor and dry delivery. So what are you trying to say, Amanda? What are you talking about? What do you mean? (laughs) So in those rooms, in those moments that we had these difficult conversations, you always handled it pretty comfortable. And I don't think anybody would have thought you were ever angry or frustrated. I think everyone would have just thought you were very professional. And I think it comes from being on a stage. I think it comes from having to deliver jokes and people not laughing because you're not funny. (laughs) <laughs> that's a dry delivery. That's a dry. Go for it, Mark. So you didn't train for stand-up? No, I don't think you can. I mean, you can't train. That's uh, something I always wanted to do. And um, when I was out of college, rather than get a job, like most normal people, I was like, oh, I'm going to try and do stand-up comedy. So I hit the open mic circuit in D.C. And uh, after going for like three months before I, you know, built up the bravery and uh, you've heard about live performance. Once you get that first laugh, it's, you know, it's pretty addicting. So you go back despite not getting any laughter until you get more (laughs) laughter, if that makes sense. So you hone your craft. Yes, that really does make sense why uh, you can't tell whether I'm angry, I'm happy or sad. And I often hear that a lot. So from Julia, she says that she's like, I don't even know if you're mad. No, I'm, I'd say more in my professional career. Uh, Julia definitely knows that I'm angry. So maybe I'm more comfortable being comfortable with people I'm comfortable with. <laughs> kind of like a comfortable inception. <laughs> inception. So how do you know whenever you're in a room and things are going too far and you have to pull back? I mean, I think that just comes with really having basic social awareness. You know, obviously, if there's like an incident and you're getting, can I, can we curse or no? Yeah, you can. Are you going to curse? Let's warn everybody with the beep button. I'm just kidding. No, if we get, you know, if you're getting crapped on, um, you know, I, that's your curse word? Yes. Captain America and the Avengers. I know. Language. Oh my God. If you're getting shit on a client call and it's an intense situation, I, I do have my limit. You can tell. And I've had people tell me recently, like, oh, uh-oh, this is Mad Mark. And my voice does change. <laughs> it will start to crack a little bit. But again, I mean, <laughs> if it's a professional situation, I'm not going to risk, you know, my professional career on trying to one-up them. So I, I tend to fight back with humor at always been my defense pretty much with anything, whether it's been a bully in the schoolyard or a Raul the bully at Booz Allen. Yeah. 
for sure. All right, numbness. I'm going to move this to Tommy. We're going to talk about how I know, right? This is like a, here we go. So security, stand-up comedy. We've all been in a room with executives, boards. Are you always prepared to fail and not get that laugh? Or in your case, not get that somebody who resonates with the information that you're explaining? And how do you learn to be comfortable with being highly visible and an error could be catastrophic to your career. And by the way, Mark, you know, just headline, this is coming to you after Tommy. So. Okay. I got to do some research. <laughs> Let me Google that for you. Yeah, I was going to say, mute yourself and start typing. Um, it's, I mean, the, the easiest thing to do is to prepare as much as possible, but there's always going to be situations where you're just not prepared. There's, we have a, a saying that, there's always somebody in the room who's trying to play stump the chump and you effectively have to sort of plan for that person. And in order to do that, you have to be prepared and there's always going to be things you don't know. So if you don't know something early in your career, you'd be like, well, I just attached the flange and things work and you just make something up, but that doesn't really hold water once you get past like the first five minutes of your career. So you just tell them, I don't know, I'll go look it up kind of thing or I'll get back to you. But I mean, sometimes it can be very difficult at times to actually maintain one's cool when people are just obstinate and they're being obstinate on purpose. I mean, mm. the things that we do are essentially trying to convince people to change the way that they're doing technology. And there are a lot of people who really don't want to do that, even if it is better in the long term. Well, I mean, okay. It's interesting that the adoption cycle for things in security or in technology take like five years for people to get on the bandwagon. And and and, and I say this as somebody who works at a cloud, like you know, SaaS as as you know, in terms of a company, cloud adoption is painfully slow. Even though everyone acknowledges like it's the right thing to do, it's better in a lot of different ways, infrastructure, security potentially, and so on. But the adoption is super slow. And so you have to learn how to have that interaction end up being positive for that person, even when they're obstinate. And because exactly. if someone's just obstinate, you got to keep got to keep navigating through it, and you got to keep trying to make sure that the light gets lit within them so that they follow it. The other thing that I find particularly useful is trying to imagine what other people are afraid of. They're not being purposefully obstinate. They're just they're afraid. They don't want to change and. It's that sort of thing. And when you understand, it's emotional intelligence, basically. When you can understand what the other person is going through, then you can lift the rock. You can identify, hey, there's this rock here. This person is hurting, afraid, etc. What do I have to do to try and make things better for that person? There won't always be an answer. The rock might be too heavy for you to lift. The person may be holding on to the rock, but at the same time, if you make that effort, you're always going to be in a better position than if you don't. I think that that's how I've tried to train people that I work with over the years is that the easiest thing to do is to always like think about what that person's solving for and all they're wanting to hear so that you can understand what their experience is and things like that. And so there's a lot of empathy involved. I have um, a story that I stole from my boss and I don't know where he stole it from and it doesn't matter, but it's a great story and it's very short. And it's just basically that the difference between empathy and compassion, when you come upon someone who's in the road and laying down and has a huge rock on their chest and this person is saying, oh my God, this hurts and it's very painful, et cetera. The difference between somebody who lays down next to them and says like, 
oh, this does hurt really bad and so painful and I can totally feel it. So that's empathy. But compassion is whenever the person helps them remove the rock from their chest. And so empathy is useful, but compassion can be better. All right, Mark, you Googled this. You've had the time to look it up. Were you always comfortable being in the room whenever something was going to be a difficult conversation or did you learn anything over time? I no, I, I think Tommy hit on it. I was horrible, absolutely awful in front of uh, clients, especially um, high, I guess, high stress clients. I've been asked to leave clients where we all have or not part of something just because they didn't agree with the recommendation. It has come with experience probably took me at least 10 years to be comfortable with myself and really just not giving a shit and, you know, just trusting my own instinct and reading the room. The decisions you make in fear are the worst decisions of your life. And I've seen that consecutively time over time. So stop. Anytime you're feeling that pressure and that fear, just stop and breathe through it and recognize beyond that because the beyond is where you're going to get a better a better idea of what to do and calibrate better. Mark, I interrupted you. No, that no, that was good. Uh, that was baller. That was it. I guess had I stuck with comedy, yeah, I always often think about this. Could I have gotten to the same level that I have in my career now with comedy? Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, you know, one pays the bills, the other doesn't for a while. <laughs> um, so it, it comes are you with gonna, Are you going back to comedy? Like, are you planning to go back? I think that's what I'm saying. This is this is my uh, reintroduction. <laughs> Watch out, world! <laughs> Here we come. Okay, Office Ahoy, let's go. <laughs> Just bought new shoes for the kids. Time to go back to comedy. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, what was the question? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Being comfortable no, I, with not knowing the answer. <laughs> I'm pretty comfortable being uncomfortable now. <laughs> be honest, I never had empathy um, when I did stand-up comedy. It was just about it. Being honest, it was, you know, want to make these jokes hit. But with incident response, you know, that's where I chose when we diverged in our paths. I spent my career there since. I think that's the number one thing that you need to have in order to be good at your job. Um, you're going, especially what I do now with ransomware is you're going into a situation where, you know, there is a rock on their chest. So, and having done this day in and day out for the last few years, you, you have to approach it with empathy. So I don't know how that applies to stand-up comedy. All I'm trying to say is I didn't have any empathy. Um, but now I do. I think situational awareness, et cetera, does apply for stand-up comedy yeah. and reading the room and so on makes sense. But sometimes it's not about the empathy, but in this job. Yeah. It makes sense that you have to understand what you're solving for and what their pain is because that's all they want to hear is how do I make this go away? How do I make this better? So I, I had this conversation with my sister earlier about something for job development, but she she asked me, she was like, did I fail at this part of what I was trying to accomplish? And my my question was like, did you give it everything you had? And she said, yes. And I said, so you couldn't have done any more. So you should just be comfortable and confident that you did all you could. And if that wasn't enough, then it's not the right fit. It's almost like a relationship. If you gave it 110% and that still wasn't good enough, that might not be the person you want to date. You know, you may want to be with someone else. 
because you'll spend the rest of your life trying to be better, better, better all the time in a way that you can't get to. So I think there's a moment of like being comfortable that, look, I did the best that I could. And if this isn't what you're looking for and this isn't the right fit, then it's just not where I should be. Being comfortable with that. So, okay, we got there. I don't know that I've ever been booted out. Tommy, did we ever get booted out somewhere from a client site? Not that I can think of. Mark has, though. Look at that. Maybe. Mark is just cursing up a storm with that crap word all over the <laughs> Maybe we should edit that part. So <laughs> I thought that was just normal. <laughs> so, Tommy, you mentioned this earlier about emotional intelligence, kind of just being a little bit aware of what's going on. So we read the room. We read every room. And we have situational awareness. Do you see an overlap between, you know, when you're reading the room and a possibility to interject humor or do is your like default, I'm here to do my job and do the readout and that's it. And I'm not going to look for an opportunity because I actually look for opportunities to joke around all the time. So I'm curious if anybody else does. No, I do the same. If the potential prospect slash customer is one that I'm comfortable with. They're comfortable with me. I'll joke around with them all the time. I mean, um, I can't always say that I'm funny, but (laughs) it's the dad joke number four. No. So exactly. What's your go-to topic and material that you always go back to whenever you're joking or referencing? Is there a movie or any kind of a show or anything that you always lean back on? Um, oftentimes it'll be the office. Um, Oh yeah. I knew it. Yeah, oh, you knew it, Mark. I knew, knew it. it. I knew it. So, but I get to use the British one and the American one. Ha ha. Um, oh, that's right. On the other side of the yes, pond. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, and then, I mean, typical geek stuff. So, Star Wars, Firefly, um, things like that, essentially. So that depends again on the audience. That's your typical yeah. geek stuff. Is Firefly comes up often because a lot of people are like, oh, I didn't watch it, so. Well, I didn't say it always lands. Okay. All right. All right. So Mark and I have, um, so it's interesting over the years that we've gone in our different jobs, uh, Mark and I have kept in touch at different times whenever we will text about something or like an issue comes up. Tommy, you and I keep in touch because, you know, again, your wife is a good friend of mine. So we, we keep, and our kids are both named Maxwell. So like we have a yep. lot of closeness there. But uh, one of the things that Mark and I always reference, I don't know that I could do an, a text exchange with you, Mark, without referencing it. What is it? What movie? Training Day. It's Training Day. I know. Officer Hoyt. I know. Okay. There's okay. That, okay. Oh, right. okay. That movie is just rife with quotes that should be used in cybersecurity. Like it's it, so many different moments. It's is there one that speaks to you, Mark, more than any other quote in that movie that you're like, yeah, this is you have to use it. There is, but I can't express that verbally. I communicate <laughs> with the one gift that's on Microsoft Teams. It's just Denzel in the driver's seat shaking his head. And that's <laughs> that's that can apply to any question, any situation. So that's that's my calling card. I might use uh, my calling card from that might be actually whenever he's nodding and he goes, my man, like that yeah. one. That's the that, one. That's yeah, the yeah, one. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. My man. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely valid. But so let's just mention uh, as we tie out this part of this, we have a few things that are like useful references for making jokes. 
Star Wars is just a good reference period. I don't, and so is Firefly. Like, I just don't see, I, I, I think those are just like, you have to in the geek realm, be prepared for those. And Star Trek, if you're also geeky, I'd also like to put a little bit of a shout out for Babylon 5, which recently got looked upon again for a reboot. I know nobody watches it but me, but I'm just making a mention that J. Michael Straczynski, they're coming out with a new one. So we have some references in the sci-fi world. Are there any other ones that we need to make sure people know if they're listening to this podcast, you better be ready for the comedy here because it's going to get used. The Office. I think you mentioned earlier Futurama, Tommy. Yep. Okay. Anything else we're missing? Uh, Well, I guess it depends on the medium too. I was going to say (laughs) Ben-Hur. That's the original? Kirk Douglas. No. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, my jokes are not hitting, but I'm comfortable with that. I did a callback. No, you got it. No, you got it, man. No, <laughs> we're gonna do Spartacus. <laughs> I think my first open mic. <laughs> no love. <laughs> <laughs> tough crowd. Tough crowd. Tough crowd. There's only two of us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where did the hacker go? Where did the hacker go? <laughs> he ran somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> he opened the back door and ran somewhere. Yeah. Uh. Oh, no. So, wait. <laughs> you opened up a door, by the way. You brought up the, the R word. And now I have to pigeonhole ran? you in here. He ran somewhere. Not just the R word of ran, but the full R word. So, right. ran somewhere. Mark, how tired are you being asked about ransomware? Pretty tired. I don't, oh yeah, so let's ask about it. <laughs> I, I may have to have zero trust it. that he is going to want to talk about this. <laughs> ah, yeah, we should just end it right there. That's a mic drop. <laughs> I don't think we can z-scale this any bigger. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's relatively okay. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eric Kane right there. No? <laughs> this doesn't work. Oh yeah, I was going to say, I can't think of anything for Eric to finish yeah. the trio there. I'm sorry. Is this thing on? <laughs> okay. All right. So back so, to Ben-Hur. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're going to do a wrap up. There's some things I think are like our, our major themes that I've picked up. So um, it's been nine years since the three of us have been together. And then however many years in addition to that, that we've known each other, which it's been a long time. couple things that are big takeaways for me. And the first one's going to be that humor can be a good way to fight back actually and speak up in a charged setting when you're feeling uncomfortable. So that it's not always opportune for us to make a comment or like, you know, speak up in a way that's very assertive and and confrontational, but humor can be the way that we do that. So it's a useful tool to have in our toolkit. The second one is that our jokes can work in stand-up or at work, but it depends on your audience. So you have to read the room and hopefully there's some familiar references that you share with the people that you're talking to, which are helpful. So if it's sci-fi or et cetera. And then the last thing, because I always end on three, never let go of the best people that become your friends from work. Because of you two, I will say, never let go of the good people that you find that become your most treasured friends that you can bring on a podcast many years later. Agreed. Thank you. Agreed. Yeah. Thank you both for being here today. And I'm super excited that we did this. I can't wait to have you back again. Likewise. Thank you. 
Yes, thank you. Thanks for digging into these topics with us today. We hope you got some valuable insights from the episode. Please share your comments, give us a rating. We'd love to hear from you. Security Sandbox is produced by Relativity. Our theme music was created by Monarch. Find us wherever you listen to your podcasts or visit relativity.com for more episodes. 